politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for all the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house as the only one dishing up that menu here February 14th, Valentine's Day. And uh, there's a lot of love in the air. For this, from this fake conservative movement, for this fake Republican Party, false choices, false dichotomies. When we had a path in front of us that was quite clear, that could have been politically auspicious, electorally viable, and most importantly, would have actually gotten the job done. And perhaps if we had a movement that focused on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter, We would be able to go before the American people and get enough 51% that, you know, are willing to harness, as we said, this opportunity where you have the left is so unpopular in their policies and Biden is publicly senile, yet they continue to win elections. And even if we wouldn't be able to win it, we'd at least be able to accomplish things where we do hold the power. But you and I hold no power because... What I'm here to warn you about today is that we are on our way to becoming like Europe. Europe in many, many ways. You look at the economic system, the immigration demographics, but also the political system, which is tied into that, where you have an aimless, mindless, and ineffective right wing full of hypocrisy that can never govern or get elected, really. And therefore, you just continue down the same path. So just like in Europe, where despite horrible immigration and economic policies that really aren't popular, but the clear majority of normies, these just average voters that are, you know, still making it work, earning enough money, They'll continue voting for the left. And and that, you know, the left is two hands in Europe. It's either the fake right party or the or the left party getting the same stuff. Because all you have in opposition is this mindless reactionary right that's full of enigmas, full of paradoxes, and they're totally ineffective. And that's where we're headed in America. Again, in Europe, you have things like a demonic left-wing party, a right-wing party that's really liberal, technocratic, corporatist, the Tories. You have that in, in France. You have it in Germany with the Christian Democrats. And then, you know, you have just kind of this reaction to it, which often will agree with a lot of their diagnosis. Oh, it's terrible. Look what they're doing. But they're full of so much baggage and image problems themselves and often even intellectually they're just mindless they just remain ineffective forever and that's why in Europe if you notice even these times where we thought we got someone in like in Italy it really just lands in the same place that's what you have in Europe the only difference in America is in America we have a two party system unfortunately So we're, in other words, in Europe, 
it still switches back between the left and the fake right because we don't have a real right that's effect- effective. Here now, we have the merging of the fake right corporatists and the reactionary mindless right into one party, the Republican Party. So we basically get the lowest common denominator of both elements, and therefore now Republicans of all stripes really are struggling to ever win an election again. So you get the lowest common denominator of the Mitch McConnell sort of corporatism, but the electoral image problems of Trump and and some of his movement that he has spawned, and I would say even more so than Europe, it's even more mindless because it's really not around any ideology, but just one man. And whatever distraction needs to suit his messaging at that given day. And with that, with that sort of introduction, I want to diagnose what happened last night. Everyone's talking about this special election that we warned that Republicans would get crushed in New York's 3rd District, Queens, and Long Island. But I want to make it very clear. A lot of people are missing the point because they're getting too bogged down on particularities of the candidates and circumstances of that election without looking at broadly there were several other elections last night. But really everything that has been happening since 2017, but in particular in 2022 and beyond. That is that is what people are missing. So you have, you know, obviously the Wall Street Journal, National Review crowd will want to blame it's all MAGA. And then the MAGA guys will say, no, the, your candidates aren't MAGA. They, they're, they're, they're milquetoast candidates. So they're losing. But really, they're, they're all wrong in two ways. Number one, MAGA versus, or, or I, I would say Trump versus the establishment is a false dichotomy. There is a third option that we could pursue. And we actually were successfully pursuing that before 2016. Moreover, the fact that MAGA and the establishment are separate entities in itself is a false notion. More often than not, it's melded into one. Meaning, after eight years of Trump control of the party, Trump has greater control over both the image of the party in the perception of the minds of voters and also the mechanics of the party He has more control than Reagan ever had, than Bush ever had, than Romney ever had, or whoever else. So at some point, you have to take ownership for it. Is it all Trump? No. I mean, it's the whole shebang. We have the aimless, mindless Republican Party that it always was, except it's even more electorally unviable than it ever was because you have the lowest common denominator of of both elements working together. It's that simple. But first, you have to diagnose the what before you diagnose the why. Okay, the why is always going to be more controversial. People are going to have different opinions. No, it's this person's fault. It's this factor's fault. But let's at least not deny what is going on, the what. Because part of the problem we have is that 
th th there has been no introspection or soul searching as to what we want to do. That we have, we have two problems. Republicans of all stripes, whether they're people like us, whether they're people like the MAGA crowd, whether they're people like the Chamber of Commerce establishment, they're all going to have trouble winning henceforward. Let's not deny that. We have a problem that we're facing electorally, that the left has this durability despite the unpopularity and destruction of their policies and how they have on paper a president who should get them a 50-state loss, but yet they keep winning everywhere. And then we have a policy crisis that even where Republicans are in power, we still get Democrat policies. And we need a plan to deal with that, and we don't have that. And certainly by denying the problem, oh no, we're owning the labs, and we're winning, we're winning on policy, we're winning on elections. No, no, we're not. Let, let's not lie to ourselves. Before we start accusing as to what the culprit is, who's at fault, Let's not lie to ourselves about the what. Republicans are losing. We're not winning on policy. You know, we thought we were crushing him on, on the border. <laughs> Whatever happened to that Texas standoff? Notice it's a joke. They, I, like I told you, they gave them Shelby Park in return for basically Abbott standing down everywhere else. It was all a fraud. So much for that. So now we just have impeachment of Mayorkas, which in itself will become a sideshow. Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden all day. That's all the Judiciary Committee wants to do. Nothing of substance. So there's no narrative. So I want to start with the what and then move over to the why and then talk about the need for a third path that doesn't throw out a lot of what Trump supporters have recognized are problems and we need to focus on, but just take a little bit of the edge off of it. A little bit of the retardation, a little bit of the personal baggage of the man. Kind of like what we saw in Florida. We saw it again yesterday. DeSantis now wants to make it a felony retail theft above 100 bucks, Or you steal from someone's porch $40. That's, that's something that stands for the people. Doesn't just tweet out law and order. Uses the power he has. It's funny. We kind of have a third option. And he won by 20 points. Created a red wave that reverberated both in Congress and the state legislature and local elections there. Maybe we ought to follow that and perfect that. Hmm. Third choice. Stop with the binary garbage. Anyway, first we're sponsored today by QPGoatSoap.com. In honor of Quinn Pittman, who is the CEO of his own company, making the healthiest, best-smelling, most effective goat soap, both for uh, body wash, but also now for laundry detergent. Go to QPGoatSoap.com. Use promo code Daniel for ten percent off your order. Uh, free shipping with with over fifty bucks. So if you get the you know a full package of a uh, body wash as well as the laundry detergent. And by the way, 25-ounce bag will do about 90 loads. You'll get free shipping. Great deal. In honor of his new goat that he just bought, um, let's give them some more business. This is of, by, and for our listenership. This is a, a longtime Blaze listener and subscriber. Uh, you know, it's it's family business. The, they're all involved in it a little bit. Um, 
even even little Grace, you know, helps out, and and the mom Dana uh, is also very involved. Christian homeschooling Floridian family. Let's keep parallel economies flowing and freedom flowing in Florida. Go to qpgoatsoap.com. Use promo code Daniel for ten percent off today. So the what? Okay, let's focus clearly on the what. Okay. Um. So. A lot of people on paper will say you you could you could say this. Look, Republicans lost the third district last night. That was George Santos's seat. It was flipped, so Democrats gain yet another seat. Now, on, on paper, it's not a seat that they absolutely have to win to get a majority. And you know, it is a D plus two seat. Republicans won it in 2022 because um, Lee Zeldin overperformed in that type of area in particular um, with a a 10-point 10 10 point victory in that district. So it carried the seat, and Republicans were able to win that. So the fact that you might recede back and lose that seat in and of itself is not that alarming, and nor do you really need to win it. It's a D plus two seat. Now, before we get into anything, let, let's be very clear what is happening. Until last night, 100% of my colleagues were all mindlessly, Trump's going to win all 57 seats. 57 seats. Like, landslide winning. And the same thing, just like with 2022. Polls, polls, we're going to win half the black vote. We're going to win 60% of the Hispanic vote. We're going to win everything. And then, oh, you have an election result that's the opposite of the polls. Polls versus results. Polls versus results. So let's stipulate very clearly that losing that seat by eight points, like 50 other data points that we have from actual election results, does not work with an electoral model that they think is going to happen like a Bush Dukakis 1988. No. At a minimum, it shows a pretty good environment for Dems or certainly more of an even one, not that we're just going to walk right into it. Okay? So that's number one. And number two, okay, you might say, well, again, it's a D plus two. It's it's not just any suburbs, but it's New York City suburbs, so they're going to be more liberal. And you had a really good Democrat candidate who's held elected office. He held the congressional district before he was in Congress, and he held all sorts of local offices. Republicans had some goofy, random Ethiopian immigrant who could barely speak English. Um, you know, kind of liberal on a lot of issues. Certainly not not a conservative. So certainly not someone like you and me. I could easily go and say, "Ha ha ha!" You you had a rhino, but if you elect one of our guys, we're gonna win. And, and everyone's going to do that in each area. The problem with that is that if you look at the news cycle and you look at what's going on in the issues, typically when you have a, a sitting Democrat who's this unpopular, much less senile, polling at 30% approval, 32% approval in that district, by the way, they, they were po- there was polling on that, and 
In addition to that, you have the border crisis. By the way, in Queens, New York itself is where they're all at horrible issues for the Democrats. I don't care what sort of candidate you throw out. The macro environment should not result not just in a loss, but a loss by eight points. That's where it's wrong. But moreover, it's well beyond that. Because in the very same night, there were other special legislative elections. Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which is exactly the sort of place you're going to need to win in in order to win Pennsylvania statewide. Okay? Very important. Democrats crush it in Philadelphia. They crush it in the immediate counties around it of Delaware and Montgomery counties. You're really going to have to win Bucks County, which is one out of that, to the north. But anyway, this is a seat that was up that could have determined Republicans could have won back the House that they lost there. But instead, now Biden did carry this district by 10 points. Republicans are going to have to do a lot better than Biden plus 10. They're going to have to cut into that in order to win a presidential election. Instead, Democrats carried it by roughly 25 points last night. And the race was called right away for the Democrat because with 43% of the vote counted, they were able to call it because the Democrat won mail-in votes by 86 to 14 points. Okay? Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Dems didn't carry by 25. They carried it by 35. By 35 points. Okay? So, <clears throat> again, <clears throat> you could say the Democrat was favored. But I will tell you that if the environment on the ground is really reflective of these bogus, stupid polls that my colleagues get drunk on, then actually Republicans should have won that district if it's reflective of that environment. But nonetheless, not only is it not reflective of an auspicious Republican environment, but it's reflective of a disastrous Republican environment. It's reflective of 1964 or the Watergate 74 or 76 elections. And then, so you lose every suburban area. And then even in red America, you go over to Oklahoma House District 39. There was a special election. Trump carried it by 26. The Republican won it by just five points. And by the way, this is the second Oklahoma seat that they've underperformed in even as they win. So the point is, it's not just New York 3. Ah, you had some rhino, liberal, uninspired candidate versus a much better Democrat. Um, but every sort of Republican everywhere is, is underperforming. And again, Democrats are overperforming in every special election. They won the off-season or off-year 2023 November elections. The, the Virginia legislature the um, Wisconsin Supreme Court, Pennsylvania Supreme Court seats, and even the Kentucky governor, and even in Mississippi, they underperformed for governor in that state. And then obviously following 2022. So in other words, what, what Republicans need to face is that the losing pattern that they started when Trump was president did not change when Biden was president, and that defies political science. 
at a time when they should be racking up 2010-2014 style victories. They are not. They are not racking them up. Because the same theme that Republicans are losing independent voters when there's more Democrats than Republicans, so you got to win independents, they're losing them big. They're losing more and more suburban voters. That is staying even against Democrat. You might think, okay, they're, they're upset with Trump, but Trump is out. Now you have a Democrat. But no, that it's, it's two things. I want to make it clear. There's two independent things that they're facing, both of them. Number one, mechanically, they're facing this early voting mail-in ballot turnout machine that they have not found a way to match, and they, they don't have a party funding or an apparatus to do it because the party is completely destroyed and has no competence left to it. And number two, even beyond that, there is a macro environment that is continuing to be a headwind against electoral viability for all sorts of Republicans all over the map. Okay, both of those are true. They're losing independent and suburban voters just image-wise. They've fallen out of favor with them. And then turnout-wise, they're getting swamped by Democrats. Okay, th that is something that has been inveterate since 2017. The only exception was Glenn Youngkin winning Virginia in 2021. But then that's been reversed by losing the Virginia House. So... Rather than engaging in any degree of introspection after 2022, we did the same things. Trump, McConnell, McCarthy, Rona McDaniel, all four. We, we, we went with the same presidential candidate, same RNC chair, same everything. Okay? So what, in my view, what you have is, is it only Trump? No, of course not. But Trump is the biggest face of the party. You can't deny that. To your average voter, they don't know about Lankford or, or Chip Roy, you know, either on the good side, bad side. They know from Donald Trump, okay? He is the face of the party and has been very evidently for quite some time. What you have is the impotence of the old GOP just tethered with Trump endorsing the same people, but his tantrums, his lack of decorum, so you put it towards everyone. You have Republicans focused on Hunter Biden. They focus on this. And like I said yesterday, even when they focus on an issue, they don't focus on it in the way it matters. They don't use leverage to drive policy outcomes. And here's why that's important. It's not just important because mechanically you have to use power or lose it. In other words, classic example, when you're in power and Democrats start with the mail-in ballots, you have to confront that. If you didn't confront it, you're going to lose it. And they lost it. Okay, let's not forget, that was Trump's fault with the CARES Act, with his COVID lockdowns. He enabled this entire electoral model that the Democrats have. But because he is so not focused, and yes, he controls the RNC, okay, that is his outlet, they have no ground game. They have no ground game, but they also have the image problems, okay? So that is continuing to this very day. Now, also, the problem is people don't realize that there's something interesting, something counterproductive. People think typically the more you go and do things that are unpopular, the more you'll lose. But actually, the worst thing is to speak about issues but not fulfill them.
Because in the minds of normie voters, they 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 don't view the system as corrupt. They think that if something is implemented, oh, wow, there must be legitimacy. Hence, Democrats didn't engage in a civilization debate over, are we going to lock down? Are we going to mandate? Are we going to wear masks? They just frantically did it. They mandated it. And, and normie voters were like, wow, I guess this is what we have to do. We have to wear a mask. Republicans could do that in reverse. They could, like I said yesterday, take something, a news cycle on immigration, on training, and implement, implement, implement. And voters will see, wow, I guess that's where it's at. There's one state where we did that in Florida, and it showed results. Instead, we just have this mix of Trump and the old establishment, but it's really not a dichotomy. It's one thing. You get the image of Trump, meaning pre-Trump, Republicans didn't have as quite as bad of an image, and they were more competent in terms of ground game. So Republicans won every other election, and they would win very big when Democrats were in power. They would win the midterms, the offseason, the special elections. Now, 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 it didn't do us any good because it was a uniparty. Policy-wise, they would do the same. Now, we have the same policies, but a lack of electoral viability. So we have the lowest common denominator of both. Remember, the more you accomplish and actually do, the more you swing public sentiment. So they can't shoot straight. They can't function. They can't do anything in the House. They don't unite and stand for anything. So ironically, if you poll people on the issues, they would agree with us, but Democrats continue to win. And until we find a strategic focus that's independent from Trump's retarded branding, but actually accomplishes, does the MAGA, rather than talking about it. Do the, think about what DeSantis is doing this week. Nothing is more bipartisan or onerous in the minds of voters than retail theft and porch piracy. He's dealing with it. By the way, reversal of other states in Oklahoma, not just California, Oklahoma, they passed similar thing to Prop 47. I forgot it was called Question... Kind of that stupid thing that they passed in 2016. And they're suffering retail theft in um in Oklahoma. It's a big problem in their urban areas. Question state question 780. So you have the Koch brothers and jailbreak continuing through Republican politicians, by the way, that are big Trump supporters. To this day, the House Judiciary Committee under Jim Jordan, they continue to push bipartisan jailbreak, weak on crime bills. We've gone backwards. There's no narrative. There's no accomplishments. They're not doing anything. Even in Texas with the border, it was all a fraud. Whatever happened to that standoff? Because we've valued theater, memes, Twitter, talking points. We have a mindless movement. We have no policy people. We have no political people. We just have mindless talkers racking up an audience that's nowhere near enough to win an election, but certainly enough to, you know, it's a big country, so you could grow a brand with a million listeners. Can't win an election with a million people in a country of 330 million, but you could earn a lot of money with subscribers and clicks. And it's just mindlessness. 
So it's this re. So what we have now is the more we fail and that failure theater, the more Democrats succeed on their policies, which they are, the more ticked off our people are, and the more reactionary we get. And we're just completely ineffective. And I want to go through some examples of this. Some examples of this. So, Tommy Tuberville. By the way, I didn't support him for Senate. But I was thinking, you know, maybe he's overperformed. He certainly was a hero on the military holds on the abortion issue. But... Even guys like that, who you would put him among the top 10, right, in the, in the Senate. But what happens when we just have, we don't have a fixed set of views and principles that we're going to drive towards. It's just like, just react. It's just anything that's to own the libs, uh, not the Democrats, or he's doing this, so I'm going to take this position. And then Trump's going to take that position, so therefore it must be good. So Tommy Tuberville literally said the following. You know, I talk to Caitlyn Jenner about once a month, and she is all against us. This is the guy that someone Tuberville's generation grew up with as a you know macho guy winning the Olympics, and he's sitting and calling him a she, Caitlyn. This is Tommy Tuberville. She is all against men playing in women's sports because she knows and she understands. Like, like, there's so much wrong with that. First of all, the female sports thing is a limited hangout. That's the one thing that the Republican states did. But as I noted yesterday, a lot of them still haven't banned castration. And most of them still have not banned the bathrooms and the drag shows and other stuff. And the teaching of it in schools. It's about the grooming of society. It's not about the sports. The sports was one issue that you use as a hook to attack the broader issue. So that's number one. But then, you, you see the harm. You see the harm that Trump has caused. He's taken all of our people and just made them retarded. So now we're all into Caitlyn Jenner? Are you serious? Just mindlessness. Utter mindlessness. So that's where we are with that. Just so weird. And look, it would be one thing if we were succeeding with European-style politics. But we're not. We're not. Most red states aren't run by a Tommy Tuberville, or a Steve Bannon, or a Bruce Jenner, for that matter. It's the same old guys. Because it's all merged into one. The, the MAGA movement gets the image and the selection of the RNC and the presidential candidate. These guys continue to get the policies and really winning down ballot in most cases in red states. Just take, take Wyoming, for example. Mark Gordon, leftist governor, during his Monday State of the State address, he actually referenced the Harvard controversy. So he went to Harvard and basically pandered to carbon neutral. He actually even used the term carbon negative, which is a genocidal term, radical leftist term. So he addressed it because so the Freedom Caucus was ticked off at him. 
So during his State of the State address, he praised himself for taking the trip, quote, into the very belly of the beast. I deliver to them the inconvenient truth that coal, oil, and natural gas are vital to all our futures, including theirs. And then he skips the part where he endorses carbon negative. But this, this is the game that they play, this double game of the rhinos. They're, they're continuing to do it. We're not succeeding. You see what I mean? Mark Gordon is the default down ballot. And he is significantly, by the way, significantly to the left of Nikki Haley. And, and yet, this is what we get. And the reason we get that is because the right itself has become so mindless, reactionary, sniffing the dirty underwear of one guy. So this is what you get. It's the same thing in Europe. You basically have in Europe a bunch of guys that aren't really Christians. They have this identity, like nationalistic identity, but often they're horrible people. There's elements that are neo-Nazis, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. They hate Jews in Israel just as much as the European left. They might diagnose a number of issues like on immigration where we agree with, but then somehow support Islam over Israel, which is kind of weird. But again, that's what happens when you're contradictory and reactionary. Full of homosexuals, but claim they're for traditional values. And they just kind of dance around. And they don't win anything. Meaning, not only are they problematic in some of their views, we agree with a lot of it, but a lot of it is because it's reactionary, it's very inconsistent. But it's not even like they're succeeding electorally. So you continue to have kind of this social Democrat, Christian Democrat dynamic in, in uh, Germany, or you have the same you know, fake right in France and the Tories in England. The system keeps winning. The system keeps winning. Is it because the system is rigged? rigged? Well, partly rigged. But it's also because we are given binary false dichotomies that you're either white trash or you're a demonic elite. How about we build a movement like the American founding that's none of the above, that ruthlessly pursues fixed objectives and is consistent about it, is moral about it, is sane about it? Is that too hard? And that leads me to another point I want to make, which is something that rhymes with Tucker, who embodies this ineffective fake right. Notice Tucker has turned his show into like a, a right-wing Oprah. Oh, everyone has a story. And somehow it's always foreign. It's very interesting. So a bunch of Israelis were slaughtered, like the worst since the Holocaust. Kind of a big story. Again, we don't need to virtue signal. We don't need to do, do anything, but just... We have a shared enemy in Islam. Okay? I mean, this is Tucker. We're going to save Western civilization. Charlemagne, right? But he's like, no, you, I don't want to hear about foreign countries. We have our border crisis. And then afterwards, he focuses on Spain, Ireland, Italy, Germany, Canada, Argentina, and then goes to Putin. And then he just trotted out to this, I'm not kidding you, it's called the New World Government Summit in Dubai, okay? So he goes and speaks at it. It's like some sort of Arab confab. 
globalist confab. And he starts espousing unvarnished left-wing pacifism. Okay? And we talked about this a lot. We're so sick of the last number of years with the neocons and the Wilsonian interventions and trying to build for other countries and get involved in land-based civil wars that we're giving this false dichotomy that you're either that or you're a a, a traditional left-wing pacifist. Now, there's a third option, America first, which is we do have some prerogatives. You make the right alliances, right strategic choices, the right strategic projection of power. Don't get bogged down in anyone else's fight. But don't get in the way of our allies. And don't allow people to screw with us. But we don't need to, you know, help their countries, rid them, just get them off of our interests. But instead, Tucker's come full circle, where he's now literally backing Hamas in Gaza. It's just bizarre. So basically, what they're trying to do is, what Tucker is deviously doing is, he's slipping Israel into Ukraine, like as if it's the same dynamic. As if it's the same dynamic that that we're just needlessly helping Israel, and he's he's me, he's ignorant or or purposely doing this, ignorant of the facts that actually Biden is doing exactly what Tucker says he wants to happen, but he's somehow criticizing Biden for being pro-Israel when he's doing the opposite. It's bizarre. But anyway. Tucker went on this riff. I'll, I'll, I'm going to play about a two-minute clip here where he talks about, and, and the context is he's calling for, a, he's saying that America needs to impose a ceasefire in Gaza, which, by the way, they're trying to do and have been from day one. So I don't know what his criticism is. And he seam, seamlessly weaves that into Ukraine when they're two very different animals that require very different things and neither of them require us to devote much attention, but you certainly don't want to side with restraining Israel against their fight against the very same Islamic enemy that Tucker claims that he would support ridding ourselves of in the West, and certainly at our own border. It's just really, really bizarre. Take a listen to this clip of Tucker again at this New World Government Summit in Dubai right here. Is the most powerful country in the history of the world. So if you were to frame this in terms we're all familiar with, which are the most basic terms, the terms of the family, the United States would be dad, it would be the father. And the father's sacred obligation is to protect his family and to restore peace within his walls. So if I come home, I have four children, if I come home from work and two of my kids are fighting, What's the first thing I do? Even before I assess why they're fighting, before I gather the facts and know what's happening. I, I stop the fight. I stop fighting. Yes. So if I come home and t- I have two kids fighting and I say, go, go, beat the crap out of them. I am evil because I have violated the most basic duty of fatherhood, which is to bring peace because I have the power. I'm the only one who can bring peace. And so if you see a nation with awesome power abetting war for its own sake, you have a leadership that has no moral authority that is illegitimate. And I mean that too. And I and I not I'm not even referring to any specific region or conflict. I mean generally. 
And I'm deeply offended by that, deeply. Um, and, and it's something that I try to express, and I'm often called a traitor for saying that. It's the opposite. I say that, I say that because I believe in the United States. I think it's a moral, it has been a morally superior country. And if we allow our leaders to use our power to spread destruction for its own sake, that is shameful. It's a binary, okay? It's a, it's a black and white. It's a zero and a one. You are either creating or you're destroying. You're improving or you're degrading. And that's how you know whether something is good or bad, whether it's virtuous or evil. If you just judge the fruits, by its fruits you will know it. Uh, and I, and I'm very distressed and concerned that we are entering an era where this awesome force for good is instead being used for evil. Okay, so, so folks, notice he says binary. It's a binary choice. We're a nation abetting war for its own sake. It's binary. Either, we're either creating or destructing. That's literally left-wing dogma. It's binary. You're either for peace or you're not. Well, there's bad dudes in the world. Now, we don't have to get involved in every bad dude, but if we have an ally that's fighting a shared global enemy of Islamic fascism, that's not binary. It's actually a third option. We focus on ours, but we certainly don't restrain them. Now, there's, there's some interesting things going on there. Tucker is being very disingenuous, and this is what mindless reactionaryism is, where you're not precise about a policy. He makes it like everything is all one. Oh, there's Ukraine and there's Israel. Except, actually, he's siding with Biden. See, I'm the one on the opposite side of Biden on both Israel and Ukraine. He's opposing Biden on Ukraine. He's siding with Biden. See, he's being disingenuous because if he told the truth, he would have to say, I actually agree with Biden what he's doing on Israel. So he has to create this false thing that, oh, Biden's not imposing a ceasefire. He actually is. <laughs> Biden could not be stronger. He's conflating because for a couple of days when you had the worst slaughter since the Holocaust, so rhetorically, he was like, Israel's right to defend themselves. For a few days, he said that when from day one, his State Department was making sure the opposite was happening. The reality on the ground is that the Biden administration has insisted from day one that Iran had nothing to do with October 7th and that not only that, that they had nothing to do with their proxy attacks on us in the shipping lanes from the Houthis or the militias in Iraq and Syria attacking our troops. Biden is actually doing, Tucker, what you want. We can't have war with Iran. <coughs> Iran is awesome. It, it, it's either pacifist or World War III. Impose a ceasefire on, on Israel. Biden is doing all of that. <laughs> Sorry, I mean... You could side with Biden and might have a different reason that lands in the same place. Sometimes on foreign policy that happens, that's okay. But be honest about it. Last week, it was reported that the State Department is considering unilaterally recognizing a state of Palestine. Biden put sanctions on Jews in Judea and Samaria, many of whom are American citizens, for the first time ever. Said that they can't come to the country and would freeze their, their bank accounts. He is, he is fighting for Gaza, <laughs> Tucker. He's doing what you want. Not only that, not only that, he is, um, last week the Israeli media reported that the Biden administration 
intervened to block the replacement of Palestinian workers. So, so just, just so you know how destructive this administration is on immigration, they're, they're not content with destroying our country. They want to destroy Israel. So Israel had a problem where they brought in a lot of Arab labor to do work, and they gave them jobs. And what happened was they went and rioted within Israel, and then you know, in the, in the October 7th attacks, they mapped out the Israeli infrastructure and homes for the terrorists, went back to Gaza, and rewarded the kindness of them with attacks. Again, this is Israel's fight, but this is actually, it, it's not, it, it's, it's downstream with our fight. It's, it's swimming in the same direction. They view this as the global jihad, anti-colonialism. They're trying to do the same thing to our country. It's a shared enemy. Again, we don't need to throw a bunch of money in, and, and, and this is part of the false dichotomy and this reactionaryism because the GOP establishment is stupid that they're trying to say, oh, just throw more money, and they put it in the same bill as Ukraine. But even separately, we don't need to give more money. Just defund Biden's war on Israel. It's the policies. So GOP leadership is bad on this, and I disagree, but it, it, it doesn't justify reactionary mindlessness. What, so therefore I'm going to side with the Democrats? Like, they're, they're trying to be, you know, Tucker's trying to make himself out to be this enlightened guy. I'm questioning all the old GOP dogma. But it's not that the GOP was wrong on every last thing. Most things they were. But there are some things that they're still opposed Democrats on. So what, you oppose the GOP establishment? You want to be a, a maverick. Um, the GOP establishment loves Israel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, say, hey, we need, to, we, we need to worry about the Gaza civilians. But that's not nuanced and enlightened. That's siding with every globalist. They're, every global entity we hate is siding with that. And, and, and the, the Democrats, every left, it's Israel against the world, like, like it says in the Bible. Look, there's two legitimate views on Israel. Number one is cut off aid to everyone else, but just a tiny bit for them because it's such an important ally. And those who bless her will be blessed. Some of the Christian beliefs, Jewish beliefs, whatever. Or, no, you know, we're bankrupt. Let's not give aid to anyone, but, you know, go ahead and, and crush Hamas. But what is not a legitimate view on the right is to somehow take the left-wing European view of the Gaza civilians. That's retarded. See, what concerns me, look... Tucker, if you want to make an exception, an Israel-Jewish exception to your fight for Western civilization, then fine, just admit you don't like Jews very much or you don't like Israel. Fine, j j just say that. But don't give some namby-pamby left-wing gay argument. Oh, the God, the civilians! What's it, two kids fighting? What, so as if Hamas and Israel are our two children? No, I thought America first. What, so now we have to intervene in foreign affairs to seek a peace agreement? No, just don't get involved. See, that, that's a very different view. That's a, there's nothing nuanced about that. That's a straight, traditional left-wing view on foreign policy. And that's what you have on the Europe, European front. Both the right and the left hate Israel. I don't need you to love them. I don't, I don't, it, it, but, but here's what I do need. We face that same enemy. If we are ever going to save Western civilization, we will have to have the mindset 
of survival that Israel is in right now. Like, is Tucker basically agreeing now that if the cartels, that if we had to go to war and bomb them, we would have to start bean counting Mexican civilians to protect our own first? I sure hope Tucker just doesn't like Jews. (laughs) That's fine. Okay, whatever. You have that issue. But don't give some sort of reactionary crappy argument just to own the Jews or to own the GOP establishment, but then side with the Democrats, which are even worse on that issue. Think straight. This whole thing, Israel has lost so many soldiers due to PC crap in Gaza, not calling in airstrikes. You got to do what you got to do. It's the same thing with our soldiers. That's a left-wing argument. The Palestinian cause is the cause celebrate uh, that binds every left-wing cause, which is why you're finding every all these protests. Maybe, maybe Tucker should be the keynote speaker at some of these Hamas rallies. That's pathetic. L- l- let, me, let me put a finer point on this. This is from a Caroline Glick column where she's explaining what's going on there with the Israeli mindset. You tell me who's siding with the left. For Israelis, October 7th was an illusion-shattering event. One of the primary illusions shattered was the two-state paradigm. Hamas, which won the 2006 Palestinian elections, the last elections held by the rival Fatah factions PA, has maintained the support of the majority of Palestinians in Gaza and Judea and Samaria throughout the intervening years. On October 7th, it was Hamas that initiated and led the slaughter of 1,200 Israelis, but thousands of Gaza civilians followed them into Israel and were full participants in the atrocities, including murder, rape, torture, kidnapping, and looting. Avida Bakar survived the massacre of Kibbutz Be'eri, which saw Palestinians murder 130 people. It's a tiny village that like half the people got killed out, including his wife and his son, who were murdered next to Bakar and his daughter in the family's safe room. Crews who recovered the bodies of the victims in Be'eri reported that 80% of the bodies showed signs of torture. Now, here's what's important, and I I talked about this last year at the time. Be'eri is a kibbutz identified with the secular far left. Its members included prominent peace activists. The surviving members have been forced to come to terms with the atrocities they suffered. In an interview last month with Israel's Channel 14, Bakker explained, quote, We need to ask if we are capable of coexisting there. The 7th of October showed that the level of evil there means that coexistence is apparently impossible. We can't do it anymore because we gave them everything. They even worked in our community. And in the end, we were proven wrong. We, we reached the point where their children burned us alive in our shelters. The older ones shot us through the doors. And anyone who tried to jump out the window, they shot them again. They're elderly on wheelchairs and their handicapped arrived at Kibbutz Berry, meaning the civili- Gaza civilians, and they looted us, kidnapped us. We needed to understand the situation. And when a person has infinite demands at negotiations, apparently, either we won't be here or they won't be here. We mustn't leave. And that is, again, I don't focus on this every day. We have our own fights. But it is the same fight that we face. This taking over, like, I don't understand how you have Hamas taking over in America, the Muslim Brotherhood, the streets, and he's siding with them over Israel? Again, it doesn't mean you need to obsessively focus on Israel and obsessively give them money. 
This is what happens when you have this reactionary crap. Mindless. You know, there's this meme being passed around on Twitter. I forget. I, I apologize. Who I, I don't remember the first person to bring this back. But someone found a clip of Tucker from like 21 years ago where Tucker criticized O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly. Now Tucker is the new Bill O'Reilly. And he basically called him an, an invented populist fighting for you against the powers that be, but that it's just a shtick because no one, no one making millions is really that person. And that's the thing. Tucker is a one-trick pony shtick. By the way, he got owned by Putin. Putin humiliated him. Pathetic. When he claimed to be on our side on jailbreak, but when Trump was president and, and, and when that issue was in play, he did not join me. He was quiet until it passed because he didn't want, he was too scared of Trump. Nothing says populism like that. He was even on Ukraine, which is his tour de force. I, I pointed this out before. Whenever we would have a big vote in the House, he'd never be a big force behind it. He's never a voice behind us focusing on South Dakota and Wyoming and, and all these states and the primaries and the issues. He doesn't do what I do. It's become like a foreign policy Oprah going to globalist things, bashing Israel, siding with the freaking Islamo-Nazis. That's real populist, real enlightened thinking. Saving Western civilization. America first. This is what happens when you have mindless, unbridled populism. <laughs> Doesn't mean we have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, the Wall Street Journal, they'll write these things. Yeah, this is why we lose. We need to be like, you know, George W. Bush. No. I was always more relatively populist free market. But you don't, again, throw it all out and become a total just left-wing socialist. It's a balance. It's a balance. Only balance could win. And we have proof of concept of that working, but we don't want it. By the way, it's so funny. I'm watching all these people back to New York 3. Republicans are stupid for getting rid of Santos. I mean, they are stupid for doing that, but they're missing the, the, the point. Santos would not, would not have carried that seat. You would have just held it for the remainder of the year. They won't, they're not going to carry that seat. There's no way they're going to carry that seat in November. It has nothing to do with the type of candidate. But moreover, it's even more ironic. Like, yeah, you know, <clears throat> we don't want this stupid, weird Ethiopian immigrant that we had there. We want Santos, who's a gay groomer. Like, that's the hero now. This is the false dichotomy we have. It's all one. It's just mixed together, the Trump establishment. You know, you have um, Don Jr. is out there tweeting every second against all the Republicans that voted for the Ukraine bill. This person needs a primary challenger. And each one I tweet back at him, uh, Donald Trump, the last cycle, every one of them endorsed them in the primary. And no, they didn't just become bad. They were always like that because I show my tweets showing how I was calling them out on those very issues. On those very issues. By the way, it's funny. Cernovich tweets at me last night. Why are you always blaming Trump? Like, well, I was actually fighting the non-Trump establishment long before you were a thing. 
but you know, he is the biggest name in the Republican Party. He does control everything, so he's certainly prominent, but he endorsed all that. And and he was like, Well, what about it's not just his people, it's people like McSally. I was like, and Donald Trump endorsed McSally after she had already lost. And I dug up a tweet of mine. So, by the way, it's funny. Whenever you have a conservative who loses against a Dem, and then they come back a second time to run again, the establishment opposed them, and Trump joined with the establishment, and the excuse is, well, the guy couldn't win. So he's, they're doing that with Rosendale. So back then, he did that to Chris Kobach in Kansas and endorsed a, wouldn't endorse Chris Kobach. But guess what? He endorsed Martha McSally after she had already lost. And we did have another option there who had money. If Trump would have endorsed that guy, the guy probably would have won. Same thing. We had a wealthy guy running against Tillis. Don Jr. is tweeting about him. He endorsed him. This is this mindlessness where it's just a know-nothing. You don't know politics. You don't know policy. You don't know electoral politics. You don't know anything. Voting records. Just mindlessness. And this is what has happened to the House Judiciary Committee. It's all that Hunter Biden. That's all Jim Jordan wants to do. Hunter Biden is a dead-end issue. They have no problem locking him up. They'll do it. It's a dead-end issue. It's never focusing emphatically on outcomes for the people. That's why you keep losing. And you have this stupid image now. Shed it. So again, we don't even get the mindless populism. We get the same establishment because mindless populism is retarded so they can't even win for themselves in their own retardation. That's what Europe is. What do you think Europe is? These guys never win. The same old garbage wins. Mindless populism, unmoored from any agenda, any fixed agenda, is not harmful to the system. The only thing it harms is a true anti-insurgency, anti-establishment right that wants to right the ship. Because it defines the right exclusively by stupidity. And you're permanently neutered. Folks, that's just the way it is. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.